I'm Halima Atta, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Perspective. So happy last week of February. Time's been moving pretty quickly. It's about to be an entire year since COVID came around and, you know, made us leave school. And all of its implications with social distancing and everything have led to us not really resuming a sense of normalcy. So that's been really odd, the fact that it's about to be a year since that happened for the first time. Anyways, not only does February mark the second month in the standard Gregorian calendar, but something which I consider to be a lot more interesting. Black History Month, here in the United States. So given its significance, influence, and the large role it plays in today's society, I figured that fixating this episode around Black History would be the best way to end off the month. Additionally, I focused a lot of my episodes on race topics, like racial issues, so how could I forget Black History Month? Moving on though, the origins of Black History Month can be traced back to 1915, when renowned Black author and historian Carter G. Woodson created an association known as the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History. Eleven years later, Woodson transformed this organization into Negro History Week. Observed on February 7th, this aimed to promote awareness for Black history and its significance throughout the states. Although this week grew to become more commonly recognized by a number of Americans, it wasn't made official until 1976, when President Gerald Ford decreed Black History Month a national observance on the 50th anniversary of its establishment. So it's no surprise that the Black community has played a large role in the prosperity of the United States. But due to centuries of slavery, both at the hands of slave owners and the federal government, the rich history that Black Americans have worked tirelessly to create and maintain has become relatively obscure. Whether it's American history classes failing to discuss the real and horrific extent to which slavery infiltrated society, textbooks featuring black and white images of the civil rights movement to make it seem as if it wasn't a recent occurrence, or the class discussions of the same three historical figures, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, and Frederick Douglass, some of the most important elements of black history have been covered up. So continue listening to gain a deeper understanding of the unspoken elements of Black history, including adversities the Black American community has had to overcome, the community's developments, and lesser-known Black historical figures. Also, very quick disclaimer, I just realized about two minutes ago that the left side of my headphone set is not working, so if I sound a little bit wonky, just know that I can barely hear myself. Typically, when discussing racial inequality, a common phrase people who don't believe in its existence use is, well, that's the black community's fault, they should just work harder. And obviously, this is a pretty invalid statement to make. I've explained that why why that is in depth in my episode I did on systemic racism back in season one, so you should definitely check it out. But anyways, when considering the vast amount of adversities the black community has had to face, it just proves itself to be very invalid. Whether through slavery itself and the generational issues it brought, Jim Crow era laws and their lasting impact, etc. These have proved to be hurdles in which many black Americans have had to overcome through significant efforts in order to reach prosperity or a basic level of income. So for example, the racial wealth gap that can be observed between white and black people in the United States. This gap is responsible for the median net worth of white families being 10 times higher than their black counterparts and for black families having a one in five rate of being at a zero or negative net worth which is twice the rate of white families. But this doesn't occur because of some innate ability to succeed that black Americans somehow lack. Instead, these inequalities can be attributed to years of adversities like redlining, slavery, among many others. But a hurdle that should be one of the most notable tends to go widely unrecognized. That is the burning of Black Wall Street. Also known as the Tulsa Race Massacre, this deadly event occurred in 1921, 
in the town of Tulsa, Oklahoma, more specifically within a residential area known as the Greenwood District. And what made this community especially unique at the time was its promising nature. Predominantly composed of prosperous Black Americans following World War I, this neighborhood represented more than just a minority-populated area. It was affluent and demonstrated the Black community's ability to prevail amidst the many obstacles that they had to face. These Black residents' economic success served as a potential for a better future in America for Black individuals. To continue with a point I previously mentioned, following the conclusion of World War I, Greenwood District emerged as a promising community, full of nearly 10,000 successful Black residents and thriving businesses, leading to the creation of its nickname, Black Wall Street. But this neighborhood's progress was quickly erased following the events of May 30th to June 1st, 1921. On the morning of May 30th, 1921, an incident occurred between Dick Rowland, a black man, and Sarah Page, a white woman, inside of an elevator found within the Drexel building. And while the account of this particular aspect of this event remains blurry, a commonly held belief is that Rowland had stepped on Page's foot while entering the elevator, which caused her to scream. But as accounts of this incident began to circulate throughout the town, throughout Tulsa, Oklahoma, eventually reaching the white community, details were shifted with a story published in the popular Tulsa Tribune newspaper, which now accused Roland of attempted assault. Once Roland was arrested, an investigation was started by the Tulsa police. And amidst this, conversations pertaining to lynchings were sparked between white residents of the city, which led to a confrontation occurring between white and black residents at the Tulsa County Courthouse, where shots were made, prompting black residents to retreat to the Greenwood District. But unfortunately, the conflict didn't end here. To read from the Oklahoma Historical Society, over the next six hours, Tulsa was plunged into chaos as angry whites, frustrated over the failed lynching, began to vent their rage at African Americans in general. An unarmed African American man was murdered inside a downtown movie theater, while carloads of armed whites began making drive-by shootings in black residential neighborhoods. By midnight, fires had been set along the edge of the African American commercial district. But even after this, the destruction continued, because on the morning of June 1st, 1921, Thousands of armed white residents gathered in the Greenwood District, looting homes and setting them on fire. And to quote again, the vast majority of Tulsa's African-American population had been made homeless by the event. Yet, despite efforts by the white establishment to force the relocation of the black community, within days of the violence, black Tulsans had already begun the process of rebuilding Greenwood. Thousands, however, were forced to spend the winter of 1921 to 1922 living in tents. So this, to me, represents just one of the many, many challenges that Black Americans were presented with. Although segregated, they managed to prosper through the economic successes of their businesses, only for all to be erased by a horrific demonstration of racism. And a notable effect of the burning of Black Wall Street was its effect on generational wealth. Those thousands of successful Black Americans had promising economic futures, building up wealth to potentially end racial wealth gaps. But of course... This progress faded, and as a result, these families lost the ability to grow and pass on their earnings, putting many in a cycle of poverty. And in many of these situations, you don't really realize just how extreme it can be until you realize that generational wealth is really generational. I know that sounds stupid, but bear with me. Generational, meaning that as we go through different generations of different families, no one is able to continue picking up the pace and acquiring more wealth to pass on to their kids, helping them get a head start at success and economic prosperity. And this is when the Tulsa Race Massacre, the burning of Black Wall Street, becomes even that more frustrating. I can kind of 
uh, mirror this to like an example of when you're building like one of those card towers, like a tower that you would make out of playing cards with your friends or something. When you finally get to the top one, the last one, and you're finally able to balance it on all of the other cards, all of the other levels, somebody like blows it and it just falls to the floor, falls to the ground. That is the most frustrating feeling, one of the most, if not the most. And this can definitely be mirrored in the event of the Tulsa Race Massacre, the burning of Black Wall Street. People spent years and years and years, these Black Americans especially, which is really an important detail to, um, to understand, to include, because they had faced so many adversities. You know, 1921, just having left World War One and all of these adversities that they had to overcome, all of their progress was just erased. They were able to overcome these obstacles, that something that was really unlikely to occur amidst the state of America and all the racism. They were able to go past all of these hurdles, but all of their progress was erased. And because of that one event that seems so insignificant on the large scale of American history, because of that one event, people have not been able to acquire generational wealth, a result of racism, of course, which has just continued to permeate society. But one thing that events like the Tulsa Race Massacre or the burning of Black Wall Street demonstrate to me is commitment. The Black community's commitment to attaining excellence amidst the worst conditions possible is a theme that can be observed throughout all of American history, an aspect of it that the American educational system has ignored. On that note, I wanted to briefly shift the episode focus onto some of the community's developments and accomplishments because there are quite a few. Whether objects we utilize on a daily basis or even elements of public infrastructure, a lot of them can be accredited to members of the Black community. So just to name a few cool ones, there's first the modern refrigeration system, pioneered by Frederick McKinley Jones. His 1947 breakthrough transformed the way we live through improving the storage of fresh produce and the transport of blood and vaccines to medical centers. Next is the home security system, co-invented by Mary Van Britten Brown in 1966. Frustrated with both having to live in an unsafe neighborhood and deal with the unreliability of police, she created a security system for her own home. But later on, she revitalized it, adding a camera, microphone, and other features which have inspired home security systems that we see today. But one commonly recognized invention is the light bulb by Thomas Edison. What does go unrecognized is the fact that this invention was faulty and burnt out quickly as a result of the carbonized bamboo filament that he used. Louis Latimer, a black inventor, refined this bulb by instead utilizing cardboard and a carbon filament, making it much more durable and significantly affecting the quality of this invention. But although very influential on their own, these developments weren't the only notable accomplishments made by the Black community. While these inventions are acknowledged every day as we use them on a daily basis, many of the real people who played a role in Black history tend to go unrecognized. So instead of shifting the focus onto solely Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King, I wanted to quickly highlight some lesser-known trailblazers in the Black American community. First up is Sadie Tanner Mossel Alexander. This woman was the first Black woman in the nation to earn a PhD in economics in 1921. Despite the fact that as a student at the University of Pennsylvania, her dean barred her from borrowing books at the library and even attempted to block her from joining the school's law review, she prevailed because in 1924, she earned her law degree and became the first Black woman to pass the Pennsylvania bar and practice law in the state. Next up is Gordon Parks, a jazz pianist, composer, author, and photographer, among others. Parks had a very extensive list of creative endeavors. His 1940s photography work captured moments throughout the segregation in the South and the civil rights movement, featuring figures like Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali. Most notably, though, 
1948 photo essay about a Harlem gang leader led him to become Life Magazine's first Black staff photographer ever. Another very influential historical Black figure was Ella Baker. Throughout the Civil Rights Movement, she played a huge role in mentoring leaders that we know today as Martin Luther King, for example. She became an organizer within the NAACP and helped co-found the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, the organization that Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. led. She also helped found the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, also known as the SNCC. The next individual is Baird Rustin. According to an article written by CNN entitled Profiles and Perseverance, he overcame prejudice on multiple levels to become a key ally of Martin Luther King Jr. and one of the most important civil rights leaders of the 20th century. It's really important to note that he was an openly gay black man during the Jim Crow era, meaning he had to deal with homophobia and racism. One of Rustin's crowning achievements was organizing the March on Washington, which brought more than 200,000 peaceful protesters of different races and religions to the nation's capital in August 1963. And the last historical figure is Dorothy Height. Born in 1912, she spent her entire life fighting sexism and racism. In 1958, she became president of the National Council of Negro Women, a position she held for more than 40 years. And through utilizing this position to fight for desegregation, affordable housing, criminal justice reform, among other causes, she has become known as the godmother of the civil rights movement. Even though many historians say that her contributions to the civil rights movement were overlooked at the time because she was a woman. So as I previously mentioned a couple like minutes, maybe 10 minutes or so back, I don't know, the adversities that the black community, the black American community more specifically has been subject to overcome is just incredible. And because of the efforts made by very notable black historical figures, such as the ones I previously mentioned, amidst a time following the Tulsa race massacre and slavery just ending, etc., etc., a lot of progress has been made for the black American community today. But it's really important to acknowledge and recognize that black history isn't something that should just be celebrated or just considered one month of the year. It's something that we need to be thinking about actively in our lives, especially as Americans, because black history is American history. The resilience that many members of the black community have shown throughout history, whether it was escaping slavery, the burning of Wall Street and how they came back from it, the Jim Crow laws and their increasing prevalence throughout the 20th century, or even through the Black Lives Matter movement that we can observe today. It's something that we should all be inspired by, as Americans and as people. Moreover, to read from an article by Lonnie Bunch, the founding director of the National Museum of African American History and Culture, one thing has not changed. That is a need to draw inspiration and guidance from the past. And through that inspiration, people will find tools and paths that will help them live their lives. Who could not help but be inspired by Martin Luther King's oratory, commitment to racial justice, and his ultimate sacrifice? Who could not draw substance from the creativity of Madam C.J. Walker or the audacity and courage of prizefighter Jack Johnson? I find comfort in the rhythms of Louis Armstrong, Sam Cooke, or Dinah Washington and I draw inspiration from the anonymous slave who persevered so that the culture could continue. Experiencing Black History Month every year reminds us that history is not dead or distant from our lives. So while Black History Month isn't the only time of the entire year that we should try and make an effort to acknowledge the success and the accomplishments of the Black community and how they influence us today, it definitely serves as a great annual reminder that history is not dead. 
With that being said, make sure to actively support Black artists, creators, activists, storytellers, all of them, because it's really integral in preserving the history of our nation. Because again, Black history is American history, and we're, we should really all be working to preserve that. Because as we know, the American education system really ignores it. So stay tuned for a little recap of some of the things I touched on today, um, including the really important accomplishments from the Black community, lesser known Black figures, blah, 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 in a post that I'll upload on my Instagram tomorrow, Saturday. So be sure to stay tuned. Follow my Instagram at a little purse podcast. And thank you so much for listening. Happy Black History Month, even though it has to come to a close in literally like two days. And I'll see you next week on Friday here on A Little Perspective.